Hey there, thanks for joining us for our first Table Talk, Box Populi's informed discussion series on local issues. I'm your host, Noreen Dworkin, Editor-in-Chief of Box Populi. We're here today at the absolutely fabulous Three Birds Cafe on Plant Street in Winter Garden. With school, can you believe it, barely three weeks away and the school board election not far behind. We are here at Three Birds talking about book banning and censorship. And with me here to help me unpack all of it are Stefania Farrell of Florida Freedom to Read Project and Vanessa Williams, owner of the African-American themed bookstore, Kizzy's Books and More. And for those uh, curious about who Kizzy is, Vanessa, can you kind of clue us in there? Okay, Kizzy's Books and More is a bookstore that embraces the African-American culture and the joy of reading. We aim to promote um, a place where lovers of the African-American culture and reading can come together and discover books, learn about various different things and talk about a great book and also promote books that are written by African-American authors because that is um, very important that people are able to get books that are written by um, people of color and and that's one of the most amazing things are books that are written. Yes, there are amazing books written by other races, but we have some amazing authors that made it to be spotlighted by African-American authors. But who's Kizzy? Um, Kizzy is actually the character from Roots. She is um, Kuta Kente's daughter and Chicken George's mother. So if you ever read the book Roots by Adam Saley, you will read the character Kizzy, and that's who Kizzy is named after. Awesome, awesome. I knew there was a story behind <laughs> that name. I just knew that there was. Okay, all right. So let's um, let's set the scene here, ladies. So because book bans aren't new. I mean, books have been banned for you know a while now. But in the last two years, it seems the urge to purge school and community libraries has gotten a lot more intense. Last year, the American Library Association reported a doubling of challenges or bans from 2020. 729 bans on 1,597 titles. Pen America did its own index and found 1,145 titles were banned. In Florida, there were 204 bans across seven districts. So, Stefania, what makes these bans different from bans in the past where we'd hear, say, Capture in the Rye was banned or, you know, Slaughterhouse-Five was banned? And who is doing the banning? So, um, we have been tracking at Florida Freedom to Read Project our own um, list of books based specifically in Florida that get challenged. And a majority of the books have been um, have appeared on the Florida Citizens Alliance banned uh, or pornography in schools report that they put out. And so um, that group working... And who, who, I'm sorry, yes. who is Florida Citizens Alliance? Who, who are they? Um, so they are a group based in Southwest Florida mm -hmm. and they've been around for a while uh, working towards um, certain education goals. Uh, they are a conservative group and their founder was actually on the 2018 transition team um, for the Department of Education under the DeSantis administration. Okay. So they have been, been in this game. Um, they support 
school choice and vouchers, um, they really their ultimate goal is to move taxpayer funds to for-profit education. Out of okay, yeah. So the um, this idea of banning books, mm -hmm. um, it's not they're not actually worried about what books are available to our students. The goal is to build distrust in the public education system, and the easiest way to do that is to get the headlines that say we have pornography in our schools, you can't trust your schools. Um, and so when you look at this list that they're putting out, it's not pornography. It's stories about two moms and two dads and picture books. Um, and you know, when you're talking about sexually explicit material, um, you know, paragraph here or a paragraph there, it's no more sexually explicit than the classics that we know of, Romeo and Juliet, things that are on the list of, um, best books, uh, the standards, you know, that we have in our curriculum. The difference is that these are diverse voices and diverse stories, and that's the problem. So when we're talking about diverse stories, whose stories? Um, majority of the books that are getting attacked um, either have LGBTQ plus characters or um, black, brown, Hispanic characters. And in fact, um, according to the PEN America Index, those um, 1,145 titles, um, the highest number, uh, 467, were from black, indigenous, and people of color. Those, those books had um, BIPOC characters in them. The next highest level uh, were books with um, LGBTQ plus characters, 379. The next level down were 247. Um, there were books about uh, racism, 247 books there. The next level down was 184 books on history, 111 of which um, dealt with uh, people of color, and 61 uh, books on, um, uh, there were biographies. There were even uh, a couple of books thrown, thrown in there, just a, a handful, that were dealing with um, Jewish themes and Muslim themes. So, um, Trinessa, you and I have talked about this before, but why is it important for uh, people of color and people of, you know, any, any marginalized um, group to, to see themselves in, in fiction, um, to read biographies about people like themselves, to read histories about people like themselves? Why is that important? Representation matters because our story needs to be told and when we read books we need to have, be able to have a book where we can relate to and say okay I remember this experience I remember being at Big Mama's house and even that pickle on a hot sunny day and they talk about that in that book we want to be able to be able to read a book and say oh I can relate to that because that is my experience written and I said oh that person looks like me I can visualize them and he reminds me of my uncle Roy that I grew up with or you know there's some, our history matters you know each person's history our story of our history is what we know in order for us to go forward to move on in the future, we have to understand our history because our history has a part of repeating itself. And if we don't understand what was historical events that happened, if it, the narrative is controlled and they say this is what happened when the actuality it didn't happen that way, and if you read it from that perspective, excuse me, of that person that was a person of a color that experienced it from their viewpoint, from their 
from their experience as that person, you'll get be able to see it from that perspective. Because like how I experience something and how you experience something could be totally different and we're here at the same time in the same space. But what makes it different is our viewpoint, how we grew up and how we have an understanding of different situations. So by being able to have that narrative that um, talks about our viewpoint, our history, how it impacts us, no matter if it's a, a, a great experience or a traumatic experience, we have to be able to understand it. And just being able to read that person's experience, you'll be able to understand it and get a, 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 have some empathy. You know, I might not be able to experience a world how you have grown up, but if I were able to read a um, book that explains your experience that reflected you, I can be able to take that journey from your perspective. So by having these books that represents people of color um, and other, <laughs> and other, sorry, um, and others, it'll be able to see it and we'll be able to learn from experiences because we each all have a different experience um, and we'll be able to grow. That's what a good book is. A good book is gonna take you on that journey and you'll be able to see it and feel it from how that author written, written it. Mm -hmm. oh, did I say the word right? <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like I made up a word for two seconds. <laughs> I was like, did I, I, I think I made up three words. But, you know, by reading it from that author's perspective, you'll be able to take that journey from the growth of that character throughout. Mm -hmm. And that's basically what these books are that they're trying to control the narrative on. It's given us experience from other people's um, perspective of life and how they experience. A good book is going to educate you, it's going to make you cry, it's going to make you curse at it, it's going to make you throw it. Mm -hmm. And it might make you uncomfortable, but that uncomfortable experience is still going to educate you because you're going to get a feel of that person, whether it's fiction or non-fiction. And just to jump off yeah. the that stereotypical Moms for Liberty parent um, that's trying to protect their child from that um, discomfort, right? Um, it is so important that we have these books because like you said, you get a perspective that you're not going to get and you get the ability to learn and go through that uncomfortable situation in a very safe space of where you're reading from, right? Um, and so, um, and, and if we allow the books to be in the classroom, then we also get to have a really great discussion about it as well. Um, so, so the censorship that we see is it's it's such a hindrance to our students. And then also too, what it brings, it brings compassion and empathy. Because mm -hmm. when you read about those different perspectives from somebody else's viewpoint and see how they were impacted and how their community is, mm -hmm. you, bec you become compassionate and you, be you become empathetic. Right. And you become where you want to become one with them and mm -hmm. embrace who they are as an individual. And that's what makes you well-rounded. Mm -hmm. It's when you're able to understand the different viewpoints. Yes, it might be different from you, but having that understanding of what life was like from them, that makes you a well-rounded individual and you're open to other perspectives and be adaptive to life from others. A hundred percent. Like, what is public school other than to prepare you for the real world? Mm -hmm. and the real world is very diverse and so we need, we need that exposure for our students. It's flat. It's not mm -hmm. black and white. Mm -hmm. So you need to have that plaid and flower experience. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love that. It's plaid. <laughs> I, I, I love that. I love that idea that, that it's plaid. So when we don't give the students that experience, we're just 
cocooning them mm -hmm. and we're creating this this kind of false reality for them that you know everything is just so and, and you're creating silos mm -hmm. um, you know if, if we're if we're talking about you know a lot of the conversation around you know critical race theory is the fact that it further divides us well by not allowing these opportunities to read and learn from different perspectives we are we are keeping ourselves separate and also you living in fear mm -hmm. that and that that's the most dangerous thing those people that are whose mind control that are controlled their thoughts are controlled whatever they're able to read that makes a dangerous individual because they are so limited on life and they are based off of fear mm -hmm. and these books that they abandoned it brought us the perspective and give you a help you get an understanding of others mm -hmm. so that's what i think it's like when you do that it really feeds into stereotypes and then also too it's like you're judging that person based off of what that person said in a meeting when they was um, drilling that point to get those particular books banned, or to get that particular story that talked about how somebody experienced it from their perspective because it made them uncomfortable and they just didn't want anybody to learn about it. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, you know, I, I heard that there was a statewide list of banned books. Um, Stefania, how did this list come to be? And and who put this list together? And what books are on this list? Um, so, like I said, the, the first list that we started seeing in the state of Florida were put together by the Florida Citizens Alliance group. Um, Moms for Liberty expanded on that list. Um, we saw the largest list uh, in, well, it was slowly submitted in Indian River, which is where they're kind of based out of, starting in November. Who's, who's based out of Moms, Moms for Liberty? Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, so uh, the two founders of Moms, Moms for Liberty both served, one served on the school board in Brevard County and the other one served on the school board in Indian River County. They both got voted out um, in 2020 and then they founded Moms for Liberty. So, um, so they started, they expanded, now, the founders will tell you they have nothing to do with the lists in each individual county, that the chapters are the ones that are creating which, that are pinpointing the books that they want to target in their county. So um, Indian River had 156 books that they went out um, after. On that list, there was um, The Color Purple of Mice and Men. So they did have some of the classics on there, but then they also had uh, newer titles. Um, and, and very similar. When, when they first started submitting books, it was pretty much almost identical um, to the complaints that you saw on the Florida Citizens Alliance list. Um, in Brevard County, they have 41 books, very similar to the list, but what Brevard County is now doing, that Moms for Liberty group is, has created their own rating system that they say mirrors the movie theaters. And so they're rating their books and they're pushing for their school district to actually implement a rating system as well. But it's funny, under their own rating system, the Bible would be NC-17. NC-17, they're level five. Yeah. No, well, if they were- Right, so based upon- Right. Eons after eons after eons. Including right. God. God yeah. is, is, is 
in the Bible, that's a vengeful. Yeah. Yeah, that's a vengeful God. At least in the Torah, it's a vengeful God. I don't know. I don't spend a lot of time reading the Bible, actually. <laughs> but, yeah, so they have a rating system, and if they were to put the Bible up on that rating system, it would be at their highest level. Um, so that's kind of funny um, about their rating system. But um, what are they doing with this list? What, what is the list for? What's the goal of this, of this list? Um, so it's been weaponized in certain counties. Um, in, in more conservative counties, the list has been submitted, and whatever books were on that list um, were removed. So in Jackson County, uh, the superintendent and the legal counsel sent the list on to the media specialist team and said, remove these books. And the media specialist actually pushed back they, um, and said, the head media specialist said, you know what, it's against our policy to just go ahead and remove these books. We can schedule a review committee for each one of them. And the superintendent sent an email saying, you have been advised by the legal team and your superintendent to remove these books. If you choose not to remove these books, you can basically choose a new job. Um, and we have that email thanks to our public records requests. So, What's going on in Orange County? Um, I know that we have a Moms for Liberty chapter around here, and I know that we've had some uh, 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 book bans around here. So what's going on with, um, with, with our book challenges? Sure. So um, we do have a small Moms for Liberty chapter. They are actually not very vocal at our meetings. Um, however, there is at least one Moms for Liberty member running in every single um, school board race. So um, the Moms for Liberty member, uh, Leisha Ferrant, who's running in District 3, she is responsible for the three book bans, um, book challenges that we had in Orange County. Um, she's the only person so far to, uh, to fill out the challenge form, submit it to the school, and, and go that far. We have had um, County Citizens Defending Freedom, which is a retiree group um, that they do show up at every single meeting, and um, they have a very harsh anti-trans, anti-LGBTQ rhetoric that they spew at almost every meeting. Um, They have taken that Florida um, Citizens Alliance list and tried to get those books banned. Um, But they're not willing to go to the individual schools and file the paperwork, which is part of our policy. They have to fill out each challenge form for each book and submit it to the schools where those books um, are currently in inventory. And so far, they haven't done that. So um, Orange County has been able to hold off on those additional book challenges. So um, at this point, um, Alicia uh, brought Gender Queer before uh, the school board. Um, she brought Lawn Boy, uh, Born a Crime, which is Trevor Noah's book about uh, South African apartheid. And, uh, and immigrating here to America. And um, she brought uh, Tricks by Ellen Hopkins um, to her school. So she has two children that are in um, a District 3 high school. Right. It's, um, it's Boone High School that, yes. um, that her, her kids are in. I think, um, I think her oldest is going to be a senior. Yeah. Yeah, so she brought... Um, she, didn't, she didn't go about... Um, the process the right way uh, in, in, to begin with. So in October, late October, she gave the book to um, Jacob Engels, who had a front spot in line to speak during public comment. And she said, would you mind, I, she knew she wasn't going to get a speaking spot. So she said, would you mind reading this before the board? And she had the exact excerpt picked out. He had never read the book. 
He, she just pointed him to exactly what he needed to read. He went before the school board, read it, and of course caused um, a disruption in the, in the meeting. Um, at that point, our chair got up out of her seat and said, if you don't stop reading, I'm going to have to kick you, or I'm going to have to have you removed from the meeting. He kept reading, and she said, please remove him. And as she was hitting the gavel, she said, you know, I know it doesn't make sense that we have this book in our school, um, and he can't read it here, but I don't think this book should be in our school, and I hope to see that it's removed. That's what Teresa Jacobs said. That's what she said. And... This was the book Gender Queer. It's a, it's a memoir. It had been in Boone and two other high schools for about a year. Never an issue. Um, and this is actually a book, uh, just to interrupt for a second, this is, um, this is a book that, that won the American Library Association's Alex Award. So it's, it's, a, it's a book with some literary um, uh, value. Yes. And... Uh, the passage is, if you read it on on its own, the passage could be considered incendiary, but it talks about the, the, the writer's experience um, growing up non-binary and asexual, so it's not a particularly sexual book, no. actually, and it would have a lot of value for other teenagers growing up as non-binary and asexual. Yes. So... I was actually, so, you know, I was sitting in the room, and as a parent of very young children, I was a little taken aback by what I heard. And for me, and I hope for most parents, you would hear this and you would think, well, there's got to be a reason that book is in the school. And so instead of insisting, just based off an excerpt, that that book should be removed, I went ahead and borrowed the book from the library that night and read the book completely through. It's a short book. And I cried. And at the end of it, I realized what that, that book was suicide prevention. That book was about advocating for yourself. The scene that, you know, he read um, before the dais. If, one, if he would have continued just one more page, what everyone would have heard was the fact that the author and the, and the, the partner the author had raised concerns and advocated and said, I don't want to do this again. And because they were in a loving relationship, the partner said, I honor that. I understand. And they moved forward. And I'm thinking about myself in my teenage years, how much value I would have had learning you know, what does a supportive relationship look like? And how do you raise concerns when you're not comfortable about a sex act that has been, you know, that someone has asked you to perform? It's such a valuable lesson. And so, you know, after, after reading that book, I said, I understand why this book is in our schools, and I can understand why LGBTQ plus characters or um, students would find value in it, but I can also understand why non-LGBTQ plus people could find value in the book because all throughout that that story, here's the author saying, "I need help. I need you know. I need to find someone to talk to," and you know they didn't give up on their parents. Uh, you know, kept advocating, and and eventually, you know, it ended in this. I, I accept who you are, um, and, and they, there was support, and there was understanding, and 
for me, who's, you know, at that point, up until that point, I didn't really understand how someone couldn't feel one gender or another. I got a whole new understanding. So um, I, I knew I had to fight for that book. And um, my co-founder, Jen Cousins, um, she, I didn't know it at the time, but her child had just come out to her as non-binary. Um, in the weeks leading up to that. So the two of us together, we said, you know, we've got to advocate for this book. Um, and then, of course, as the weeks went on, we found out, okay, Alicia's also trying to get this other LGBTQ plus book removed. And, you know, two others books removed. And, um, you know, and we found out there was a, a shadow ban on All Boys Aren't Blue. Um, and so there were... We found, we kept on seeing, okay, it's not just Orange County, it's it's happening in Indian River, it's happening, you know, in Polk. And it was it, it was a movement. And we, as the more that we dug in, the more we found out um, just this huge effort that is coming to, that is working to silence voices and minority voices. And it, it seems like it's, it's um, the, the MO is to slap them with this um, uh, this label of obscenity and pornography with and pedophiles. Yes, yes. Uh, you're right. The, the the groomers. Yes. Right. So yes. Um, by supporting this book, I've been called a groomer. Of course. Yes. Of course. Yeah. And uh, uh, you and I have been on a community uh, uh, thread in a community Facebook group where somebody actually said, um, if you are in favor of um, let, allowing children to read this, um, you know, I don't want to be on the same continent with, uh, with you. Right. Um, but, you know, honestly, uh, none of this stuff would stand up under a legal challenge for pornography because there is a very definite, um, there, there's like three, uh, uh, what do you call it? Criteria. Like, thank you. That is mm -hmm. the word that I was I was searching for. Thank you. So um, one is it has to be patently offensive, and those are the two words. Two, it's got to appeal to purient interest, and the most important one is it has to lack serious literary, artistic, political, or scientific value. Mm -hmm. And I think that we can we can say I mean it clearly has you know. A lot of these books, all of these books, have literary value. Um, they're award-winning books. I mean, Beloved, um, you know, is is on this band list too. That won the Pulitzer. Mm -hmm. um, many of these books are, are prize-winning, prize-winning books. As we said earlier, Gender Queer won the American Library Association's Alex Award. Um, and I don't see how you listen to what you just said about gender queer and, and not understand that it, it doesn't have value to somebody who is searching or somebody who's trying to understand um, and not not see value in, in that, whether you are going through the experience yourself or um, a parent or a friend or anybody uh, with a non-binary or asexual person in your, in your life. So, but, isn't there some other aspect of this pornography issue that Orange County is, is trying to, you know, tack on, like thumbtack on another definition? Yes. So um, as of last week, on Tuesday, they were discussing the updates to their library policies. And um, the legal team said, you know, pornography is not defined in Florida law. So 
but we do have it in a statute, and it says pornography cannot be allowed in our schools. And um, the statute, so that's the educational statute. There's a criminal statute that is distribution of pornography to minors, and that's the one that Moms for Liberty and these other groups bring up when they bring these books before the school boards, and they say, you are distributing pornography to children. Um, and though Florida statute does not define pornography, they do define the requirement to be charged with distribution of pornography, which is you have to prove that it's harmful to minors. And those three criteria that you just read are exactly what is in the definition for harmful to minors. And it requires that the work is reviewed in its entirety and, and a community standard is discussed and defined. So if the book within a small community is, you know, reaches this, exceeds the standard of what is acceptable for children, for minors, um, then we could possibly reach that criterion of harmful to minors. But it, all three things have to be hit. And that third one is the big one, right? The no literary is, value. Right. The third one is the big one. And yeah. I think you'd be hard-pressed to find everybody to agree that these books lack literary value. And Trinessa, I'm gonna ask you to weigh in on these kinds of things because you're the one with the with the bookstore. So what are your what are your thoughts on, on this? Because I really think that they're gonna have a hard push, especially if they're gonna to try to define these books that have been banned by saying that they don't have any literary value because there's hard evidence showing that they are. So if they try to put this towards a court saying, hey, these books are porn and blah, 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 this is affecting our child's thoughts and it can be backed up and people are going to fight this. You're going to see a huge fight from the literary world from those that sell books, those that publish books, and those that purchase books, and those that are fans of these books that they are trying to market as pornography. So that, I really think it's a far reach. They're going to try to do it, but this is just my honest opinion. It's not going to go far. It's going to get them enough to where they got attention and they're going to get people to back behind them. But in order for them to be like, these books are, these are, they cannot be sold and they cannot be read, it's going to be a lot of drawback and it's going to get a lot of people that you probably have not even heard voice their concern about it because they're trying to really censor stuff. Then by them classifying it as pornography, um, it's going to bring in some, people probably not even thought about it, but this is going to bring in some criminal charges, you know? And so these people that probably have not been criminals before, but they're trying to embrace the literary works of, that express people's different backgrounds and and who they are, and just by them purchasing it is categorized as pornography based off of their standards. If they try to, I know it seems far-reaching, but you know, it's gonna go there. You probably not think about it that way, but that's gonna impact a lot of people. And by that impacting a lot of people, you're gonna see people that probably have never voiced their concern before, they're gonna really come to the forefront because this is gonna impact their, their speech, how they be able their free their their freedom to read whatever they want to read. And it's going to it's gonna be a, a lot of it's gonna be a lot of it's gonna be a, a literary fight. So so you know, this whole thing happened on Tuesday. Mm -hmm. And Orange County Orange so the lawyers said we're gonna define pornography mm -hmm. so that we can 
try to create some guidelines for our, what our what we're going to have in our schools. And they defined it as anything visual, written, or graphic, any depiction of sexual conduct. And that's what they defined it as. Even heterosexual? Yeah. That eliminates the Bible. So... So then we what had health class. What about health class? So so there were some. So we had um, a couple of our school board members bring up health class, bring up um, you know art, um, right? And bring up um, so it was health class, art, and then some of the um, you know some some of the classics, right? So they said, well, you know, what about? Uh, they didn't call out Romeo and Juliet, but they said we have poetry. They said we have, you know, we do have books that are that are in our standards. Tales. Yeah, Lady Chatterley's Lover. So, so the the lawyer, our deputy general counsel, his response was, we don't believe this definition will limit the classics because any any. Any statute that further defines what is required will supersede this definition. So, health class is a required standard that has to be taught, right? You, parents can opt their children out, but it is a standard in Florida law. Um, there are ELA, uh, English uh, Language Arts, that um, there are requirements. There are AP requirements that cannot be changed. So for those purposes, those books will be protected. But we're talking about library books, right? So anything that's not written into the standards may not be available in the library. So right now, the, the Florida State Best Standards, uh, the ELA standards, there's 300 books. Of those 300 books, there's one religious text. It's the Bible that's on that list. And um, there are, um, of, the, of the texts that are written, 70% of the authors are white. Um, and what I believe there are no books on the list that have LGBTQ plus characters that are, you know, out, um, very clearly out. So, um, so when, when you're talking about when, when the Deputy General Counsel says, don't worry, the classics are going to be protected because they're written into the standards, that's. I'm sorry. Yes. yes. Yeah. And and so you know the 300 books that are on that list, those will be protected. Don't worry. Um, health class that'll be protected. Um, and of course, our health standards. We don't talk about um, sexual orientation beyond the fact that um, you know HIV prevention is a monogamous same or heterosexual relationship is your best HIV pr protection. I thought um, HIV protection was. Oh, maybe that's pregnancy. It's not abstinence. Well, it does. So yes, it does say abstinence, but it, it also said like the, there, there's no mention of the only sexual orientation that they mention in any health standards is um, heterosexual relationships. I have so, a question for you. They talk about the standards, but the standards can't they be revised? The standards can be yes, so they can. So they can change those standards to be up to date to meet the requirements of what they want to have, right? Or does it take time? I'm just. They just to change the standards. The best standards are the new standards. Yes. Yeah, they'll, they'll, they may update the reading list. Um, so. All curriculum and textbooks are on a schedule so like we just saw the math textbooks mm -hmm. go through approvals right now we're seeing the calls for um, social studies um, so 
um, English language arts was done last summer. So there's a schedule to it. I don't know how often it goes back around. Um, but yes, so the concern that we all have, and a many of the school board members had, was with this new definition, definition of pornography being applied to both classroom libraries, classroom curriculum, and what's available in the media center, is we could definitely be limiting the perspectives of what's available and discriminately applying um, you know, the label of pornography to books that are more diverse versus the classics. Um, and so, you know, it, it is very concerning, one, that the district would even take it upon themselves to define pornography when the law does not define it, um, and two, that they just ignore the fact that harmful to minors is the criteria that needs to be met, and they do that already in policy by, by making sure that every book gets reviewed at the school level, starts at the school level, and then works its way up. Because that was the problem, right? I mean, we're, we're not, no one is suggesting that we shouldn't challenge a book. Right. Nobody's suggesting that. But there is a process for challenging a book. Mm -hmm. And then you get people with expertise to weigh in. There are media specialists and there are teachers and there are people who, with expertise, who look at a book and weigh all the, um, yeah. In, um, in Polk County, which was nearby, they did an excellent job. Their committees were 17 people. Um, they had students, they had parents, they had teachers, media specialists, they had a child psychologist. Um, so they really got a lot of expertise and a lot of different opinions. They even had a member of CCDF on each committee. So the, pers the group that was bringing forth the challenge was able to have a voice on the committee. Um, so they really did a great job of making sure that all the different perspectives were represented and all 16 books were kept, not one. The, every review committee overwhelmingly decided to keep the books. Some books were moved to a, a higher grade level, but for the most part, all books were, were kept. And that's what we, whenever we see the books go through the proper review process, for the most part, books do hold literary value. And so they end up staying um, for the, they, they, they might get removed from curriculum, but they end up staying somewhere in the library available to an age-appropriate group. Um, and, and that's the important part because when we have, you know, what we saw with Gender Queer, where the leadership decided to remove the book without taking it through the review process, and they used the substantial disruption um, excuse uh, to be able to remove the book, it was basically a limited viewpoint making a decision as the government to withhold information, and that's an infringement of First Amendment rights. And was anybody teaching gender queer? Was no. it part of the curriculum? No. The book was on the shelf for over a year with absolutely no issues, which is what made the substantial substantial disruption argument that they were claiming so um, laughable, right? The only disruption that happened happened in the boardroom when a non-parent <laughs> decided to bring the book before the board, avoid the proper process, and, and they got the book removed that way. And the sad thing is, also discussed on Tuesday, is the fact that they will be adding substantial disruption as a reason the superintendent can remove a book without review. And so um, that, that was, I don't know, a question, can't that be challenged? What's that? Um, have letting the superintendent remove the book without having a review. 
Um, while we're trying to push back, we're still fighting for gender queer to go through the review process. Um, we did find out in March they did hold a review committee, um, and the review committee did say this book should be given a chance to go through the full process, and, and we think it holds value. Um, they said right now leadership has told us that they are waiting for more guidance on HB 1557 and HB 1467, the new, two new education laws that passed, just before they decide whether or not they'll put gender queer back through. Is 1467 the book ban bill? <laughs> right. Is that the, the list? Or is that. That's the, the one that will create a list. Okay, because mm -hmm. I've heard that there's something happening in Brevard County where um, if a book is banned in one school, it can be banned in all schools in the county. And one of my questions was going to be, do we think that that could migrate over here? It actually was discussed on Tuesday. Who, so, who is doing the discussing on Tuesday? I should have asked you that. The school earlier. board. The so school the school board, board held a held a work session. Okay. Um, there should be one more session um, to discuss the policy before they bring it to the board to a vote. And at the next next meeting on the library policies, they will allow public comment. So um, that one you can. And in Orange County, you can call in for public comment or you can um, speak at the meeting. So all of these things that we've been talking about, and every time you've said on Tuesday they discussed, we were talking about the school board, and it was Teresa Jacobs, who was the school board chair, mm -hmm. and Melissa Bird, who is um, District 7's yes. school board representative. All of these things have been discussed. Yes, and, and I will say, Melissa Bird did push back on on many of the items that were discussed. Um, so one of the things that was brought up that Melissa was pretty firm on and, and I appreciated was the fact that um, some of our members wanted to have a student on the review committee and um, on the district review committee. And Teresa, uh, sorry, Chair Jacobs, um, had stated, well, I'm concerned because if we potentially find that this book, a book to be pornography on our review committee, then we have allowed a student access to pornography by letting them on the committee. To which member Gallo responded, well, wouldn't we just do a parent permission slip? And under the Parents Bill of Rights, we've allowed a parent to make a decision about their child having access. And legal counsel then weighed in and said, a parent does not have the ability to waive access to pornography. They cannot absolve us of that um, responsibility not to expose the student to pornography. Sounds like to me. So, sure does. <laughs> so my, I was sitting there and of course, I, I was out of town, so I was watching this on the screen and I was just shouting at the screen. You know, in order for, a district review committee to be held, the school has already found that there's literary value for the book, that it's not pornography, that, it, that there's a reason that this book is in the school and that it's age appropriate for the level that it's at. And what happens is the person that has submitted the objection at the school level appeals that decision and then there's a district review committee. Um, so they were asking for the student to be on the district review committee. So at this point, it's very unlikely that that book is going to be pornography. Um, and like I said, all in all cases, in Indian River, in Polk County, um, 
<laughs> in, in all of these cases where the books have gone to a review committee, never once has a book been determined to be pornography. They, some schools have decided, you know, we're going to remove this book or we're going to remove that book because it's not, you know, it's not age appropriate, but they have not determined it to be pornography. And um, Moms for Liberty in Indian River actually went to the sheriff and said, we want to charge these, it was four books, these four books as pornography. And they, they actually investigated the four books. They, they had a team of people reading the books and they said, sorry, these books do not meet the criminal standard for pornography. The sheriff's department. The sheriff's department. And that, and, and wow, they put a lot of energy into this, mm -hmm. don't they? Yes. Imagine if you could harness all of that energy <laughs> for something good. Mm -hmm. well, I mean, we, we would no longer be like fossil fuel dependent, right? You know, or maybe we'd have a literacy rate better than fifty-seven percent. There you go. Yeah, because as you said, what we're doing is we're taking away books that are going to appeal to different students, right? That a professional media specialist is in charge of curating a collection for their school. They look at the numbers, they look at the types of students, they know their students that they have. And they're going to pick books that are going to appeal to those students and harness a love of reading. And if we're taking away that ability, which Orange County has just done, Orange County, as of this last meeting on Tuesday, <laughs> Superintendent Jenkins announced there will be no new book purchases from now until January 2023 when the Florida DOE rolls out their new required training under HB 1467. So all of these new books that are coming out, and my son loves Diary of a Wimpy Kid. Oh, yeah. There's a Great new book coming out in October. Our school will not have it because there is a freeze on purchasing any new books. So we are potentially, you know, in, and we're not the only district doing this. Districts are acting out of fear. They do not want to be told by the DeSantis administration that they have violated these new laws. And so they are acting out of fear and they are withholding access to new literature from our students. And it's absolutely ridiculous that, you know, we have certified media specialists that know exactly what to do and they've been doing it for years. And now because of this new law, they're not allowed to, to make a purchasing decision until they can go through this new extra training that the Florida DOE is going to roll out in Florida. It sounds like all kinds of professionals um, across, just like a range of, of, of professions, are afraid to actually do their jobs now. I mean, think, think about it. There are doctors who understand how to treat their patients, but they're afraid to treat their patients because they're afraid to, to get into trouble. Um, you know, with legal issues. And now we have teachers who are afraid to teach in the classroom because they're afraid to, to run afoul of the law. They're afraid that the parents are going to come back and slap them with a lawsuit. And now we have media specialists in the library who are afraid to order books because they're afraid that they're going to be um, fired or hit with a, some kind of a lawsuit. This is absolute insanity. Mm -hmm. So, I guess all of us should apply to be baggers at, at a supermarket because there's just really nothing left for us to do. <laughs> and look, it's like that's the, that's the safest job. You can't possibly be, you know, hit with a lawsuit because you've bagged groceries incorrectly. Okay. Um, 
Any more you want to say on that buying cruise? <laughs> I mean, it's really sad um, because the news does come at this point in time where we know that we are struggling with our literacy rates. Um, and we know it's not just the books in the library, but it's our classroom libraries that are now getting questioned. And these are, these are libraries that are mostly stocked by parent donations or teachers paying for their own set of books that they think, okay, my kids in my class are gonna love these books. And there are books, especially in the K through, K through five um, environment that are at risk of getting pulled because they might violate the Don't Say Gay law, or they might violate the Stop Woke Act. Um, and, and that's incredibly sad because the teachers have hand-picked books that they know will connect with their early readers. Um, and, and really, you know, if, if my son wasn't pointed to the Bad Guys series, he, he really was struggling finding books that he could like sit through. And he loved the Bad Guys series. And then he found out, okay, I like graphic novels. And then we moved him to another one. And then we got him on Diary of a Wimpy Kid, which is, you know, a little bit more words on the page. And so when we, when we take away, like you said, when we take away that, that ability for the professionals to make these decisions and we start letting parents weigh in um, and parents that are only thinking about their child, we have really, really closed down our classroom and we have really hindered learning. Um, so that's the only other thing that I would add to that. It impacts the social skills. Yes. Yeah. I mean, while you were talking, it makes me wonder because like I've had from, from my bookstore, I've had where teachers created wish lists mm -hmm. and they had friends and family based on go and purchase books off of their wish list so that way they can have certain books in their classroom that they wanted. And then that makes me wonder, how does this impact that? So like, say for instance, the buying freeze is they can't buy new books. But what if a teacher says, these are some great books and I would like to have them in my class. Since the school can't buy them, I'm going to create a wish list on a bookseller website. Mm -hmm. So that way, those that are my followers, because they might be an influencer on social media, or those that are my family, they can just go on and just purchase books on a wish list and just have it shipped to me so I can create and curate my own library so that way my kids can read mm -hmm. and, or I can read these books to them. Mm -hmm. So then I, I wonder how can that impact those, you know, those teachers that might use that other option, that donation option. Sure. So... Um, right now, Orange County has not put a freeze on, on donations, but other counties have. And the reason why they've done that is because under 1467, it has to be a media specialist that makes all decisions about books um, in the schools. Now, Orange County said 1467 doesn't directly say classroom libraries. So Orange County has said, we're not touching classroom libraries right now. But other counties have read it and said, you know what, we think this does apply to classroom libraries. And that's where you see like Palm Beach County. They started early. They removed Call Me Max and um, I Am Jazz, which are two books about transgender um, youth. So, and they are picture books. And they said, you know what, to comply with 1557, all teachers in the classroom, like any, any classroom set of these two books has to be removed. And then they created a questionnaire and they said, 
if you have any books in your classroom library that may or may not meet these things, pull them and we're going to review them. And, and what you see is this list starting to form. What, and, what is 1557? Okay, so 1557 is um, known to most people as the Don't Say Gay Bill. Oh, okay. Um, but it is technically named the Parental Rights and Education Bill. Um, now, so as, as I was saying, 1467 is the book ban bill. And the reason why it has that notation is under the bill, it is required for every school district starting at the end of this 2022-2023 school year to notify the Florida Department of Education of which books have been challenged and which books have been removed from the school district. And then that list comes in from every single district and then the Florida DOE will release the full list of books that have been challenged or removed from across the entire state. The implication, although it is not required, would be these are the books you may not want to keep in your schools. And so what will end up happening is the most conservative districts where they're removing and banning more books will end up influencing the purchasing decisions in more progressive counties like Orange County. Do you think, Tranessa, since you have a, a, a bookstore, do you think parents or um, people who buy books will just, or buy books for, for um, young readers, they'll just come in and, and you know, buy, buy the books that they want um, people to read and just give them as, as gifts or just give them to have at home? I think so. And the reason why I say that, when the minute that somebody hears, this book is going to be banned, this publisher is no longer going to purchase this book, they're going to increase and go out and purchase it. For instance, um, when they had the book ban for the Dr. Seuss books and they took those books off, I had uh, so many people that were calling me in that never purchased a book for me and they saw that it was listed on my site but it says please call, no longer, it's not available or whatever. And they called me and was like, I want to purchase this book because I am totally against it being removed. And then that's going to, that's going to, from my experience, it's going to have a lot more people buy it. It's going to be the opposite, the opposite effect. So like when, like how they're talking about these books being banned and not being allowed in schools, the censorship, it's going to have the whole opposite effect. Remember when I talked to you, was it last week or the month before? And I said, this kind of reminds me of the prohibition. Remember when they had where um, you could buy a purchase record, they had secret places where you can purchase stuff underground. These books, if, as long as the publishers are going to be able to publish them, um, those that are willing to sell it, they're, they won't advertise it, but they're going to make it a way where it'll still be available for those that are reading it, especially if they're great books that are written artistically in a positive light that talks about that experience. So as long as it's not harmful, just because somebody is promoting fear to censor it because they feel like they're uncomfortable even though they only read two words. Um, but, you know, that said, people are still going to purchase it, especially those booksellers and those avid readers that are fans of the work of those authors that they're trying to censor. So, I think that that's what it might do, especially if they try to censor and they say these books are being, they're no longer going to be involved in, in schools and they have X, Y, and Z. It's just going to spark the interest of those people that did not know about these books that they existed. It's like free publicity. And then so those people are going to be like, 
why is this book banned? What is so controversial about? You know, controversy is what gives life. And people are going to be like, what is it? I need to know. I need to become one. So, uh, so I think that's what it's going to really do. And then, you know, a lot of people are going to talk about it. You know, especially with different books and different things, especially we're in the era where we have some unsettling things that's going on that's impacting us all as a whole and people that are advocates for advocates for they're going to go to social media because that's the number one thing for sources so if we look at it from a perspective of our books that people are trying to censor we're going to see a lot of people that are book influencers that have read these books they're going to talk about these books and advocate these books then they're also going to bring light to the people that are actually trying to challenge it that are not really understanding what the true value of that book is so that's what I think it is. You're going to see a lot of people that's advocating for it to be there because it needs to be there. That's going to, you know, really work for it, not for it to be. Excellent. You know, one of the things that I've heard. I think Stefana has something to say. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, no, I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> the, the one thing I will say is we really do need to continue to speak up because. Um, you know, in, in Virginia, they are trying to go after Barnes & Noble, mm -hmm. yes. giving access to these books. We almost had a bill advance here in Florida that would have made it um, harder to sell these books in, school, in, in Barnes & Noble. They would have had to move, move titles to back shelves or require um, permission slips. We, it almost went through. Um, luckily, the publishers were very much against it, and we believe their, their lobby kind of helped get that one pushed back down. But what, it, when, when was that in, um, in it the was, last session? Yeah, it was early. Um, it was, if, if you look up the early bills in January, it was in there. Um, it didn't advance through committee. What committee did it start in, education? I don't remember where. Um, okay. It was actually brought to our attention by the ALA. They asked us, you know, if we were keeping our eye on it. And okay. it wasn't on our radar because it wasn't an education um, specific bill. Um, but it, it, it was working to redefine harmful to minors um, so that it wasn't just that three criteria. And because it would, it would change the definition of harmful to minors, it would mean that all of those books would have to be out of reach from minors, and so that would have left all of our retailers in a very um, awful position in, in, in selling books with any sexually any sexual conduct. <laughs> oh my God, that, that that would put Judy Bloom out of out of reach. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think so I read forever when I was ten. Yeah, so you know we were lucky; it got quashed. Right? Um, it doesn't look like the Virginia um, lawsuit will advance. But it really does take people speaking up because we have seen them come for public libraries in Citrus County. Um, there's another county down south where they started coming at, at the public libraries. It's, it's happening in, in redder states than ours where, you know, in I Iowa and Idaho, where they are attacking public libraries at this point. So, um, you know, it's, they start off by saying, and they've said it in, in our school board meetings, they don't have to access the book at school. They can access the book at the public library. 
Um, and and the Supreme or not the Supreme Court, but the district court has ruled access elsewhere does not alleviate the responsibility to provide access in the schools um, because there aren't children that have the means to purchase a book. There aren't children that have internet that can download a book. There aren't children that can go to the, you know get a, a ride to the library, especially if they happen to be you know. Um, identifying in a way that their parents wouldn't support and they want to find a book that would support them. Um, so we do have to speak up. I, I would love to say it's going to work out um, and we can just sit on the sidelines and, and you know cooler heads will prevail but it really is going to take those cool heads showing up and speaking out um, and voting. Um, it's going to be very 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 important. Um, August 23rd is a primary um, and you know, in Florida, it's a closed primary. But for NPA um, elections, you can be an independent, you can be an NPA, and you can vote. And um, for any for school boards in particular, any candidate that gets more than fifty percent of the vote um, will automatically get the seat in the primary. They won't have to be on the ballot in November. So um, very, very important to, to show up and vote. Because I have a couple libraries that purchased from me, even one in New York that purchased LGBTQ plus years. Mm -hmm. So how would that impact, because while you're talking, my mate, my brother is just going, how would that impact that purchasing? Purchasing, because you know, there's a couple libraries that I have that are up north mm -hmm. that are purchased from me. They buy LGBTQ plus books mm -hmm. um, that represents them. And they, I, I don't know if they're buying it, I think they're buying it for the library because it goes directly to the library. Mm -hmm. But how would this impact especially if they are purchasing books, especially. Like if that, if that other law would have gone mm -hmm. through that shifted harmful to minors? Mm -hmm. um, it would have affected you more as the seller than it would have them. They probably just would have bought the book elsewhere. They wouldn't come to you as a Florida retailer because there would have been more hoops to go through to purchase that book. So they probably, you know, and again, it all depends on what that law is, but you wouldn't be able to sell the book to a library um, if, if you knew that book was going to be made available to somebody under the age of 18. Right. If if we were to have that harmful, you would be responsible as a retailer not to provide a book with sexual conduct that met this new requirement of harmful to minors to anyone that would be a minor. Right. That would be your responsibility as a retailer. Oh wow, that's going to impact the the small businesses as a whole. Right. And like I said, right now that bill didn't go anywhere. Doesn't mean that they won't try to bring it back up yeah. next, le next legislative session. Yeah. So we have to be aware of these things. We have to know how far they're willing to go, and they're really willing to go very far in, you know, just to show that they are the furthest and most conservative. <laughs> I, I heard that uh, the Brooklyn Public Library is issuing um, e library cards to teens all over the country. So for those who do have internet access, and of course not everybody does, but um, any teen who has internet access can get um, a Brooklyn Library card to access their collection from any anywhere, no no charge. So and that is that is a bright spot. Yes. For, yeah. The book is online. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It can be an ebook. 
So that's that's something for those you know um, kids in North or South Dakota or Montana or I don't know Alabama mm-hmm. um, or Polk County <laughs> <laughs> or even you know here in Orange County who's you know moms for liberty or keeping yeah. them from reading gender queer they can access it from the Brooklyn Library if they want to read it at home. You know, on their on their Kindle at night, <laughs> you know, whatever. So you know, kids will find a way. Right. They always do, and they're way more tech savvy than, than than we are. My my son is always giving me like the eyes, like mom, how come you can't do that? So um, you kind of like summed up some of the um, the ways. My last question was was going to be, what other things can can we do to keep books available? to people who want to read them as there are forces who are trying to, you know, keep books out of our reach because I know they're coming for the public libraries and I'm aghast that um, uh, there was a bill trying to limit what um, people can buy in stores um, under the guise of pornography because I, I can completely see their, their rationale for that, you know, we keep pornographic magazines, you know, away from children, so what's the difference? I can completely see their line of thought on, on, on that. Um, and I'm, I'm aghast that, that, that they're even even trying that. So, um, what else can, can, we, can we do to uh, uh, continue to make books available to people who want them, who really want these books? Any, any last thoughts? One of the things that people can probably do especially when these books, if they become censored or banned, if you have it in your possession, have like a book trade party. You know, have where you meet up for food and this is my book, let's swap books. They can't get you for swapping a book. So, you know, come up with an alternative way. That way you like the book, it was great, and you can see the value of that book. And you know other people that are in your circle that are avid readers, but they haven't read that book yet. Just have a book meetup and swap. You don't have to worry about it, purchasing it, to say, hey, Billy, you're going to read this, you know, and he'll bring his book, and we swap it out and just pass it along and just say, hey, no, no bins on the ends. <laughs> Guilty. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's one of the things, you know, just having those book meetups. They can't sense me from meeting up in Canada. You know? That can just DeSantis is trying, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, be creative about it. You know, back in the day when they had different things where they tried to censor what it is that we were able to do, that we had used our real critical thinking skills in regards to how can we meet up and get our mission how can we meet up so that way the positive impact that we're trying to have, yes, they're trying to censor it, but how can we, what creative way can we have so that way we can still shed light to this book, even though it might not be able to sell it, but at least we have it in the possession and those people that want to read it, bring it back to you. But don't share it to, you know, somebody that you know is totally against it, but that way, it's circulating amongst people that want to read it, be able to experience that viewpoint. Yeah, Lucia, I know I sound like I'm rambling. No, but, no, 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 no. <laughs> that's great. That's so, but, great. That's, um, but that's one of the things that you can do. You know, be creative about it. You know, say, hey, let's meet up. It's tea, but bring that book and we'll swap that book. And you can be like, hey, this is my book. 
that I read. And then somebody was like, oh, I didn't know about that. Let me read that. And then I brought this book. One of this is what I have. They know, they can swap it. And, you know, have a uh, um, book club not really. I, um, I think one thing that we could do, and, and I love the book club idea, um, you know, there's there's book drives that have happened. Um, they've been, the, the right has been trying to attack reviews on books. So, like, if you go into Amazon, you go to Goodreads, they're writing bad reviews about certain books. And to bring down the status, to bring that. So, if you have a book that you love, go and review it. Um, you know, really hit home what the value of that book is. And then... Be prepared to have really uncomfortable conversations to defend your favorite books. Um, because what's happening is there's not enough conversation with the people in the middle to talk to them about how unreasonable this is. And what they're seeing is these headlines where, you know, media outlets will say, you know, this book was called pornography. And they don't actually go through the process of saying, well, this book actually doesn't meet the qualifier of pornography. So you're seeing this headline, and, and there was a local media outlet that did this after Genderqueer and said pornography was removed from, you know, from OCPS schools. They put pornography in quotes, but they never clarified the fact that it was never proven to be pornography. And so... You know, we'll, we have all these people in the middle that aren't really tuned in, right? They're not, they're not calling people groomers. They're not raging um, against the books. But they're also, not, they're also not over here, and they don't know the books enough. They don't, they don't know that, you know, terms are getting loosely thrown about and, just, and, and these books are getting falsely labeled. So we need, we need people that love books, that want to protect access to information, to speak to start having those conversations with the people that, that are a little tuned out and to start moving them um, to the point where we start defending our own right and access to information. Because what's on the line is the First Amendment. Um, what's on the line is our right to access information that might be in opposition to our governor's viewpoint. <laughs> um, and, and really, I mean, they're trying to completely erase that early education of different families and different cultures. And that's at a time where our kids are most accepting of our differences, right? Um, and so if in K through three, we're no longer talking about how your friend might have two moms or two dads, or you know, we're not bringing up you know, um, the fight for civil rights and how hard it was there's going to be less tolerance as we go on. So it's really, really important that we really start advocating to that group in the middle so that they understand what's at stake. They understand that, yes, this might come off as a culture war right now, and it might seem as if it's, this isn't going to impact me, but they're chipping away little by little by little, and it's just going to, one day it will impact you, right? Um, and so, you know, I think it's just really important that we're all willing to get a little uncomfortable and have those conversations um, and, and be willing to be called, unfortunately, a groomer because our teachers are getting called it um, and they don't deserve it. Um, and so, you know, 
it's it's sad um, that it's come to this, but the more we push back and we don't accept that and we don't accept these labels um, on our books or on our the people that we love in our lives, um, the more we can just shut it down because we can't allow it to keep on growing. And I think we all have to prepare a script to say mm -hmm. when something like that happens because you've got to be articulate and get your elevator speech out so that people understand what it is and they can remember it. Mm -hmm. you know, if you go on too long, people tend to lose interest. <laughs> Politicians know that. They don't talk for long time. Right. So, um, but that's, that's a good point. We have to be prepared to fight back. So what kind of an example, again, give me an example of what might, what I might, what ha might happen to me as an ordinary person mm -hmm. out and about. I mean, like somebody at church might say, well, I, my, my daughter can't read this book or my Something happened. What kind I, of an example could you give us? So I think Trinessa kind of touched on it. Books can be windows, mirrors, and sliding doors. Um, and and it's very important, you know, we have we have that literacy rate that's low and struggling. And we need books to connect to a very diverse population. We are um, we have twenty percent of our middle and high school students that identify as LGBTQ+. And so if we want to nurture their love of reading, we need to make sure they have books that have characters that they can connect with. And, you know, we have rights as parents to make judgment calls on what our own children can read. But we can't sit there and say, that child cannot read that book. Um, and, and that's the real true spirit of, you know, being an American is that freedom to be able to choose for yourself and have access for yourself. And so, you know, if somebody wants to say you're a groomer, um, I would say I'm a patriot. <laughs> uh, I'm fighting for everyone's right to access information, to, to grow as an individual, to connect, um, and, and, and to um, be better citizens, right? Because the, through either a book that allows them to see themselves reflected, to see a life they don't know or to step into a situation safely and then step out of it when they're done reading the book, who am I to deny somebody that opportunity? All right. This has been wonderful. Um, I want to thank everybody for joining uh, us today. Um, thank you to my guest, Vanessa Williams, uh, owner of the African American themed bookstore, Kizzy's Books and More, and Stefania Farrell. Um, representing one of the co-founders, I'm sorry, of uh, Florida Freedom to Read Project. Huge thanks to Three Birds Cafe for hosting Vox Populi's first table talk. And um, if you want to find out more uh, about what we do, please subscribe to Vox Populi. We are at Winter Garden Vox. That's with a V, V-O-X dot com. Thank you so very much for coming out.